Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 235, covering what you leave behind. Hi friends, this is it. This is the last one. Yeah, it really is. Are you are you happy? Are you sad? What what are you what are you feeling, Matt? I'm a little bit of both, really, you know, like bittersweet. It's a bittersweet symphony. Hmm. That's life. You know, that's life. Yeah. I mean, it was a really great last episode. It was a mostly great episode, yes. I mean, look, we're going to get to the certain flaws in it. But, yeah. You know, as far as a send-off for the show, I can't, I I couldn't write a better one. Mm, I could have improved this one with another draft, but from scratch, no, I could not have written mm. a better one. This one feels like it needed one more pass with a little less padding. Yeah, I could see that. There's, Except for some of the padding, which I enjoyed. But even still, more story would have been better than that. Well, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All but, right. But um, why don't we get into that once we finish the act telling you about it? Yes, we are going to do this in three parts. Uh, I will tell you the first half, Matt will tell you the second, and then our pal Irish Gav, who sadly could not be with us as he has been for the other summaries, uh, or the other finales, uh, has shared with us a, a, a traditional poem. Aw. Of his people, mm-hmm. the Irish, the Irish, the Irish, the, Ir- the Gavs, his yes. people, the Gavs. No, I, I like to think he's part of that tradition of drunk Irish poets. Ah, you know, um, Brendan McCarthy. Yeah, Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy. Um, Paul McCartney. The rest. Melissa Brian- McCartney McCarthy. And Brian Epstein. Yes, yes, that's the one. And mm-hmm. uh, Epstein's mom. Yes. From Mila. From Welcome Back, Cotter. All right, but first, let me tell you about the first part of What You Leave Behind. Settle in, kids. With a narrative this complex and a cast of characters this vast, we're going to need the full 90 minutes to wrap up each arc in a satisfying way. Obviously, the most burning question on everyone's mind for the past seven years involved Julian Jules Bashir and his genetically altered penis. Where will it go? What will it do? Turns out the answer to both questions is Esri Dax. Next, we move on to Miles, Edward, Sean, Patrick, Alden, uh, Logan, Connor, Riley, Quinn, O'Brien, who's hanging out at his quarters with some humans claiming to be his wife and children. That sounds familiar, I think, but have we ever seen these people? I feel like we'd have an opinion about O'Brien's so-called wife, who's played by Klinger's war bride from another popular TV spinoff, After Mash. Did we love her? I bet we completely loved her. She obviously makes Miles very happy, and he's decided to accept a teaching position at Starfleet Academy when the war is over so they can be safe and happy on the idyllic paradise known as Earth. And since we only have about 86 minutes left, the war must be nearly drawing to a close. And again, Cassidy's still just barely pregnant, and it seems unlikely we'll be resolving that particular thread in any meaningful way in an hour and a half. Uh, While the combined Romulan-Klingon Federation fleet approaches Cardassia, female changeling promises Earth and Romulus to the Breen, and Damar, Garrick, and Kira continue to do their mighty Heroes of the People thing in the streets. And thanks to a certain internet meme, I now wonder what mighty thing they're doing between the sheets. <laughs> Back on Bajor, Gul Dukat's sight has been restored through unexplained means. I originally wrote unseen means, but you deserve better than that. 
He and Kaiwin resume their evil scheming and resolve to enter the fire caves, release the paw wraiths, and destroy the emissary once and for all. For the good of the Bajoran people? Question mark. <laughs> and Jesus, we're only at the end of Act 1. I'm going to have to pick up the pace here. Quark. Oh man, remember Quark? Hangs out with Vic Fontaine. Ducat and Kaiwin enter the fire caves. Damar and his team cut the power to the War Command playroom set. Uh, in retaliation, Female Changeling <laughs> orders the complete obliteration of Lakaran City, home to two million Cardassians and presumably at least one amusement center. Cool space battles happen, which are always fun to watch and always difficult to summarize. The Cardassians kill Mila, that delightful old lady that Bob referred to as Aunt Harriet. Damar, Garrick, and Kira are captured, but the loss of Lakaran City pushes the Cardassian guards to Damar's site, and they help him. This also completely turns the tide of the space battle as the Cardassian ships turn on their former Dominion allies, and Female Changeling wonders what she did to deserve this insolence. So I guess that virus is attacking her short-term memory as well? Kai Wynn summons the Pa Wraiths, tossing her clothes into a pit of fire and giving me the temporary ability to detect dry heaving from the next state over. Ugh. The Expendamars successfully penetrate D Dominion headquarters with a daring thrust that kills Damar in the process. Damar, no! Now who will be my good thing? Garrick kills Wayun. Wayun, no! You were my backup good thing! And Kira orders Female Changeling to call off the war, but she just sneers and flakes at her menacingly, reminding her that by not surrendering, the Dominion will basically take something like a quarter of the Alpha Quadrant with them as they lose the war. Some really cheery, hopeful stuff here, people. Now, take it away, Matt! Thanks, Jimmy! Kira and the Cardassians, a great name for a doo-wop group if ever I heard one, wave guns menacingly at the Female Changeling, but to no avail. Eventually, Odo beams down and tries to convince her to link with him. Odo, no! This is no time for a quickie! Fortunately, said Quickie, cures the female changeling and... Wait, is that fortunate? She just ordered the deaths of millions of Cardassians. Hmm. Anyway, Odo cures her and also convinces her to end the, end the war and become a prisoner. Jesus, why didn't we just do that first? Would have saved a lot of time and lives. Anyway, then everyone heads back to a swinging party at the w most well-known bar in all of Deep Space Nine, Vic Fontaine's. Apparently, we can't even let Quark do this one thing. It's probably a good thing the show's ending. Season 8 probably would have completely replaced Quark with Vic. Anyway, Ben's having a dang good time with Cassidy when his prophet sense goes off. Somewhere a cave is on fire, he yells, and heads for Bajor. On said Bajor, Kai Wynn has betrayed Dukat, which is pretty goddamn hilarious, actually. She poisons him as a final sacrifice to the Paw Wraiths. Unfortunately, the Paw Wraiths think that Dukat is a much more realized villain, and instead burn her to death. I'll just read that again. The Paw Wraiths burn Kai Wynn to death. Feels like a tremendous weight has been lifted from my shoulders. <sighs> anyway, Ben arrives seconds too late to spray her with a handy fire cave's fire extinguisher, thank God, and instead witnesses Gul Dukat's transformation back into a Cardassian with evil devil man eyes. Then Dukat uses his dark forces powers to throw Ben around until Ben knocks him into the fire caves. The fiery part. The prophets save Ben at the very last minute, bringing him into the Celestial Temple where he has to stay away from his family, friends, and incoming baby. He does get to say goodbye to Cassidy, and she tries to act very, very hard, so good for her. Then he's gone. On the station, things get sort of weirdly back to normal. Odo returns to his people to cure them of the plague and gets to wear a tux after a touching goodbye with Quark. Worf accepts the position as ambassador of the Federation with Martok, a job he will do for five full minutes before reporting to duty on the Enterprise and the hated nemesis. Boo. Miles leaves his true love, Julian, to go back to Earth with some woman. <clears throat> and Kira takes command of DS9. It's kind of nice. So goodbye, Ben, sleeping peacefully in the wormhole. Good night, Kira. You finally learned to give a damn.
Good night, Miles and Julian, you beautiful star-crossed lovers. Good night, Worf. I guess I didn't completely hate you at the end. <clears throat> Good night, Daxes, old and new. Good night, Quark, Rom, and Nog. I'll miss your wacky and, more often than not, not-so-wacky adventures. Good night, Odo, and your easy-to-do voice. Good night, literally thousands of side characters, from Admiral Ross all the way to Zial. <laughs> Good night, Trek characters everywhere. Sarah Lofton does not appear in this touching farewell. <laughs> I should point out, I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but you did the goodnight mm. thing to the entire crew in Next Gen as well. And the original series, too. Did you? Yep. That I do not remember. Yeah. So now it's not uh, not you repeating yourself. Now it's a, it's a running joke. Yes. I got you. Speaking of running jokes, here now, uh, live uh, via tape from Ireland. Uh, he hasn't been in Ireland in quite some time. I don't know why I said that. He's actually in Germany right now. Irish Gav. And now listen up, Polly, for the DS9 finale. Bashir and Edry are having a post-coital prattle and swear to not die in the oncoming battle. Meanwhile, Miles hasn't told Julian, for what that's worth, of his and his family's move to Earth. Meanwhile, a fleet of Federation, Romulan and Klingon crafts will reach the Cardassian border in a day and a half. On Cardassia itself, Damar is stopped by a gem Hadar. But a Leia like Kira does to him what Burma did to Myanmar. Sisko's prophet says the journey's end is in his past. Well, it was a season 7 DNG episode since you asked. It's the Kaiwin and Dukachu in the Fire Caves TM. The Pares are there and they want to release them. On Cardassia, the rebellion starts, which can't possibly go wrong. Oh wait, the Dominion destroys Lacarian City. That didn't take long. Martok talks of drinking blood wine on the Cardassian Sphere. Meanwhile, in space, insert space battle here. Miles finally tells Julian of his imminent move, which Bashir doesn't at first approve. Damar, for his part, is captured in order to be killed, for Cardassian soldiers join him, which he is obviously thrilled. Between whiles in the space battle, Cardassian ships do the same. The female changeling demands every Cardassian die in flames. Damar and his revolutionary all-stars don't get too far. They laugh hysterically at a locked door because it's not a jar. They eventually get in, but for Damar it costs his life. Kira takes charge, that'll cause the Dominion some strife. More space battle inserted here while the rebels capture Wayun and female changeling in coup of the year. Wayun is shot dead by Garrick the Simple Tailor. Female changeling doesn't surrender, they should jail her. But Odo beams down and she has a change of heart. Not literally, of course, that wouldn't be smart. Back in the fire caves, remember that place. Wynne's evil plan continues apace. She sacrifices Ducat to wake the Pares from sleep. If I were them, I'd stay away from her, or wrath they will reap. Martok drinks blood wine by himself like a drunken boar, which explains why he makes Worf the Federation ambassador. And now the obligatory appearance by Vic Fontaine. Oh, I should mention Ducat is alive again. Sisko senses Ducat's non-deadness, while Wynne is burned to death by a hot redness. Benjamin arrives to fight the disgraced gull, and is disarmed and whacked on the skull. Don't worry, the fight soon turns, and Ducat's final appearance is being burned. For his part in stopping Ducat's treason, Sisko remains in the Celestial Temple for some reason. Now we're at the end of the series of war. 
It's time for all the montages galore. Odo goes to join the changelings in the Great Link, and Kira is upset, but doesn't give a damn what you think. She's left in charge of Deep Space Nine. Jake misses his dad, but Quark's still a swine. And that was DS9's What You Left Behind. Now, Voyager, please keep an open mind. <laughs> Matt, could you please join me in giving a round of applause to Mr. Irish Gav? Oh. Just delightful. I'm Wonderful. really sorry he couldn't be here to discuss that, but uh, I am glad that he he uh, put in the time and effort to uh, to keep that yeah. tradition going. I god damn, yep. just being able to do that. Yeah, amazing. So great, so great. Yep. Uh, we got a lot to talk about though. There's there. We do. I we mean, do. Obviously, like I said in my summary, there's a lot of characters, a lot of threads, and most of them are tied up. I would say satisfactorily, but they're all definitely tied up. Yep. Everybody no, they gets definitely, an end. Everybody gets their last hurrah. Right. And hurrah. most characters with a relationship at least get to say goodbye to each other. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Which is really good. I, apparently, they had to put in the last Julian and uh, Garrick scene, like, at the last minute. Yeah, I was reading. I, they had to kind of move some stuff around to make sure those two had it, because they realized they hadn't appeared on screen for quite some time. And, like, this is a, this is an important relationship. This needs, you know, this well, needs some the, closure. These guys have been friends since the second episode, so right. we, like that's longer longer than Julian and Miles have been friends. Uh, the the only older friendship would be Odo and Quark, I would say. Mm-hmm. I was about to say Ben and Dax, but that was a different Dax. Yes. So yeah, she fe- uh, she's dead. Yeah. Uh, you you wouldn't know she ever existed though. Oh yeah. That was that was okay. Let let's talk about that real quick because that's all right. I kind of want to get sort of the incidental stuff out so we can talk about the meat of the episode. There was, yeah, yeah. There's. Two points, I think, where they could have had more story. Yeah. There was a Vic song and then a whole other sequence of just flashbacks, which I like flashback montages. See, the Vic's, what I would have liked to have seen would have been the Vic song playing while we do the montage flashbacks. Uh, That would have saved some time. It would have meant we weren't spending the entire time sort of floating around Vic's bar looking at people. mm Mm-hmm. And it would and it would have opened up, you know, we could have done something else. I think, like, I get the wanting to do a montage of whatever, but that, that feels like such filler to me. It's yeah, like, it didn't bother me. I thought it was nice. It, uh, first of all, I didn't think they were done very well. But second of all, it's we got 90 minutes. That's it. That's, then we're done. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're spending five minutes showing us stuff we already saw. Next Gen didn't do that. That is true. Next Gen just flashed back and actively explored its its pilot rather than doing flashbacks to it. That's true. But also, I just I didn't I don't know I didn't like that. But I but like, we, I go ahead. I thought that they could have done the montages better. Like well, yeah, you know, we were talking dwarfs. about yeah, we're, you you were talking about the complete lack of any you know Jedzia memories. Right, and like she he's was a big part of the show for six years. She was the only person on the show that he liked. Yeah. And, like yeah. we're 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 seeing like his last look around at the station is like oh well all the memories I have here and we get to see him you know his first day on the station and him killing Garrick and him making out with Ezri, which really yeah really wait him killing Garrick no uh <laughs> no me- no sorry fucking Gowron oh I was gonna say like he never killed Garrick Garrick's still alive. <laughs> You can't kill me, Doctor. I mean, Worf. Doctor Worf. What if I joined Starfleet? How would that make you feel? Uh. Pretty stupid, huh? 
No, I, I like a clip of their wedding or something would have been great. Yeah, that was a big part. Like we did a in the Julian and Miles thing, we did a flashback to Trials and Tribulations. So obviously mm-hmm. we don't mind going back to iconic things that aren't necessarily connected to what's happening right now. Yeah. And that was one of the big like if you did the top 10 most memorable moments of DS9, their wedding would be in there. Yeah, it would. Like that it's is very a big important. deal. I think the first time we've seen a main, like two main Star Trek characters get married to each other. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was also very cool. Yeah. But just, I think it would have been. Yeah, we were talking about this. It probably you need to pay uh, Terry Farrell something. Yeah, to you use know her what? Image. So take out thirty seconds of space battle and pay Terry Farrell. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Not that the space battles weren't great because they really were. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I can't think of anything. That's looked better even in any of the movies. Like these oh, were the best, man. just this... giant fuck off, enormous fifty ships on screen at a time space battle. Such great ship porn. You could tell that the a couple of weeks ago the Inside Sloan's Brain episode was like deliberately saving money for this. Yeah, and we didn't like that at the time, but we knew they were doing it for a reason, <laughs> and this is why. Yeah, pr- pretty much worth it. I'll take I'll I'll take that that slow. Yeah, episode I'll take I'll now. take one kind of dud episode out of nine. Yeah, to get some great like some of the best. Well, I mean the best I would say like mm-hmm. ship battles you've ever seen in Star Trek in any Star Trek ever. Of course, I am saying that because I know I never have to watch that episode again. Now. Yeah, that is true. Um, I feel like I mean in this whole finale run, really a lot of characters got shortchanged, and we've talked about that before. Yeah, but, but now that like everything's done. Mm-hmm. Like O'Brien and Bashir really didn't have. I mean, even in that Sloan episode, didn't have a whole lot to do. Like no. just just character wise, like yeah, they had plot stuff to do. Yeah, but there's no arc there apart from Julian is gonna hook up with Ez- Ezri. That's it. Yeah, which you know <laughs> that took forever, and I still really don't care about it. No, and and you mentioned in the books they split up almost immediately, and that they do. That's what I predicted anyway. Like they're both a little flighty. Yep. Julian has never had a serious relationship, as far as we know. I think Lita's the most serious relationship he had. Yep. And that and, was not uh, very serious. <laughs> and Dax just got out of a marriage. Well, that. And if sort you, of. And if you just think of Esri. Yeah. Esri's a little flighty. Yeah. And she's still really young, too. Uh, also that. Like, she's I don't know what, how in her she, early 20s? I don't know. She's she's a lieutenant, I think, right? Like she Yeah, just, but she got promoted to lieutenant right when she that, showed that's up. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. like. Like, I would say maybe five years into her Starfleet career at best. I don't even think that. Like, I thought she was pretty, like, pretty, like, just out of the academy. Mm, I think she's a few years along. Mm. But that's my guess. I don't know. I'm guessing. And I don't think they said it on screen. And some nerd probably knows, like, oh, no, she she graduated in 2341. Yeah, well, I don't know that. Mm -hmm. They didn't say it on the show. But in any case, I would guess at best 25. Yeah. And he turned Wait. 30 a few years ago, so he's in his 30s. Yeah. Like, we know that. They said that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there could be 10 years between them. Yeah. That's that's. And not... we all know a relationship like that is disgusting and gross. Yeah, I mean, you know, nine years is the most. Yes. That's fine. Nine years is totally cool. <laughs> 10 years is too much. <laughs> <sighs> so, anyway. Um, what other sort of, like, small things are there? Like I said, I, I really want to get into the, to the meat of it, but I want to make sure we cover all the smaller stuff first. Like... Uh, yeah, let's see here. Uh, Garrick got nice, some nice closure, I would say. Uh, yes. I mean, we don't know like what I, happens. Like I was saying before. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know what, like, we don't know what happens to him, but I like that last scene with him and, uh, Julian, and he's sort of like, well, my, my Cardassia is dead. Yeah, he's like, I've been, like, this is my only thing all along, is getting back home, getting back home. Here I am, and home is rubble. 
Yeah. Now there's what? a. There's a great sh- like we've been seeing those shots of uh, the oh that establishing shot yeah yeah we've been seeing that for years and years and then there's a great shot of it just completely destroyed we get to see the uh, the Orwellian TV like, oh yeah the one that's always like telling you what the state wants you to think yeah with like it's just exploded with like sparks popping out of it yeah it's like great. Elvis saw Robert Goulet on it and just like <laughs> look I'm having none of that man <laughs> oh man I would love to see a giant Cardassian Elvis. <laughs> Shoot a giant, shoot a giant Cardassian Robert Goulet. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, enjoy that. What an image. Yep. That's what happens at the amusement center. Mm -hmm. Are you not amused? (laughs) No, I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe Garrett goes on to be like the ambassador to Cardassia or something. You know, in real life, I don't know if this is entirely true, but at least in movies when you see like you know, a a corrupt president. He's always given his pals ambassadorships. Yep. And it feels like in Star Trek, that's the lazy thing, too. We like this character. Uh, You're an ambassador now. You're an ambassador and you're an ambassador. All of you are ambassadors. Everybody look under your seat. You have diplomatic immunity. (laughs) That might actually be better than a car. Now I'm picturing Cardassian Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Cardassian Stedman. I don't know who that is. That that's her her boyfriend. Oh, all right. That's don't worry about it. Stedman. Stedman. Ste- yeah. Is that his first name? I believe it's yes. Believe let's it hang on a sec. Let's really talk about Oprah here for a second. Yeah, let's let's do that on the last episode of these. <laughs> yeah, we we got nothing else to talk about. Stedman Graham is his name. What? Okay, that's terrible. Uh, of course it is. is he sounds like a he, sitcom character, doesn't he? Is he is he Bajoran? Like it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like they reversed his name. Yeah. Okay. Stedman. Yeah, okay, Matt. <laughs> Focus, honey. No, just, you're, you're going to be thinking about that for a while. Stedman, all right. Anyway, no, um, I just, I, I, I'm glad Garrick, like, okay, Mila, his his mother figure, they don't say it's his mother, but it's probably his mother, and in the books uh-huh. they finally say that it is. Yep. But uh, whatever, his mother figure, the old woman that takes care of him whose house mm-hmm. he lives in, might as well yep. be his mother. Yes. Um, is killed by the the uh, Jim'Hadar stormtroopers that come in and seize them. It's thrown down the stairs like a sack of laundry. Well, Matt, you, to save the world, you got to throw a few old ladies down the stairs. That's, That's what true. Manic Mansion taught me. Mm-hmm. But it it is sad because she's this feisty old lady like that that's been hiding them and like feeding them but still kind of giving them a little sass and yep. I, I she's very supportive and very kind of tough and she's like i'm old what the fuck do i care if they yeah. they storm into my house yeah no I she's get, she's great she's a fun supporting character and it was sad to see her die and it was sad we've like apart from an auburn Tain, we've never seen garrick react to someone like this before yeah and so to see him like he kind of loses it for a minute mm-hmm. and then because he's garrick he's got this great focus and he's like okay you know what the only thing that's going to make this worthwhile is if I like if I turn this into something and I yeah. reclaim the planet. If I just give up now, then she died for nothing. There was no there was no point to any of this. And she has he has a great uh, uh, conversation with Kira mm-hmm. where he says, like, um, so now instead of doing the right thing, it's it's about revenge. And she's like, you know what? That's fine, too. I, I can get <laughs> as Kira. I can get behind the idea of wanting revenge. Right. And Kira didn't have really more to do in this. It was just more of the same. But again, still a great fan of her. Yeah, she her does it very well. She does. She continues, but it's really just more of you know the same. Yes. And sad to see Demar go also. But, <sighs> yeah. You know that is the hero. Like that is the the hero of the Cardassian people right there. Yep. 
He will get so many statues when they finally get around to rebuilding Cardassia. Uh, how many of them are going to be holding bottles of Canard, do you think? <laughs> a picture just in one hand a bottle of Canard and in the other hand an eagle. <laughs> or whatever the Cardassian version of an eagle is. A Cardassian eagle. Right. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know that's where they get Canard? From the eagles? They you just grab the eagle, ring it by the neck, and just it squeeze like it's it a, into the bottle. Ring it like it's a sponge or a rag? <laughs> Like, ah. yeah, that makes sense. Ah, another piping hot bottle of Canar, <clears throat> fresh, off, fresh off the bird. You have really bizarre ideas about what Canar is. I do, and they're not getting less bizarre. Nope. And because no one can tell me otherwise, they're all canonical. Canarnical. <laughs> so if anyone's listening who wants to go to Memory Alpha and fill all this stuff in, <laughs> I would really appreciate it. You got to do it subtly. Yes. And, and you gotta you gotta get it past those like obsessive nerds who are like, well, that's not right. Kanar is wrung is wrung out of Cardassian eagles. No, you gotta you gotta give it a you gotta dress it up in some science. You gotta say like the 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 feathers of Cardassian eagles get this oily buildup. Yep, which has to be wrung out. Which has to like the the they can't fly from the weight of this oily stuff. Mm-hmm. So they gotta wring it out into like they're actually helping them. It's like shearing sheep. It's actually a good thing for that. Or pull, or pulling seagulls out of a, a place where there's been an oil spill. Right. It's much like that, except they create the oil spill themselves. They exude this stuff, like, themselves. Yeah. Also, we were talking about this. All animals on Cardassia are just like Earth animals, but they have a spoon. Yep. All those voles that uh, Chief O'Brien was chasing, we never saw them. Nope. But they were just like normal Earth voles with, with spoons on their foreheads. Yep. Yep. So it makes total sense to me. Okay, so let's see. We've gone through those guys. That was all, like like I say, I really like Garrick's sort of payoff of, like, well, I came back to my home. There's nothing left of my home, so I guess I gotta, like, continue what Damar was doing. I suppose I should rebuild it. And he gets to murder Wayun. Yes. Which was cool. It's cool to see two of our favorite, like, supporting characters face off, but Garrick didn't have anything specific against, like, uh, Wayun. No. Like, there's no grudge there, exactly. Not a personal grudge, anyway. So that The thing was, is, even know. even though there's so... Even though all the Wayuns, like... <laughs> are, like, even though he's the last Wayun, mm-hmm. we've seen Wayuns die so many times, it really didn't carry any weight for me. Yeah, he's Kenny at this point. Yeah, exactly. And he'll just be back next week. I mean, there is no next week, but you know. No. Well, there's no next week. I don't actually know if Wayun comes back in the books. I wonder. I don't have to look at it. I read somewhere that, yes, because they bring him back, like, there's a Dominion or a a Gamma Quadrant factory that still makes them. They destroyed the Alpha Ah. Quadrant factory, but not the Gamma Quadrant. Because, I mean, Ah. that makes sense. Yeah. He he came from over there. He wasn't, he didn't originate here. Yeah. Just that you can't, you can't get you can't get good Wayuns anymore in the Alpha Quadrant. No, you know? no, they're, they just they don't make them anymore. It was a limited run. They have to be made in the Wayun region of the Gamma Quadrant, or you can't do call you, them Wayun. Do you think when Wayuns are when they make a new Wayun, it's got its number stamped on its foot? I like to believe that. <laughs> and like all characters in Star Trek, you never see the underside of their bare foot, but they have holes in their feet. Yes, so, so you they can, can put st- them on those little pegs. <laughs> One one foot says uh, copyright playmates, and the other yep. one says Wayun Ten or whatever. Yep. And then there's a little hole. Right. And a phaser with the beam on, constantly coming out of it. And a suitcase. <laughs> they all had that little suitcase. They did. Yeah. Don't know why. Even oh, Quark. Odo had a bucket. Yes, he did. Okay. So, um, 
yeah, Wayun is gone, and as you say, it's not really sad because we've seen him die a million times. But yeah, uh, you know, it was still like I say, it was rewarding for Garrick to do something really useful and kill someone who's actually important. Uh, you oh. said you would have liked if Wayun had picked up a phaser and defended female chain. Yes, I actually I would have been awesome if uh, when uh, like when like if they kept Amara alive long enough to uh, have been killed by Wayun and have killed Wayun. Mm-hmm. Like they both shoot each other. That's not bad. I don't know. I do like Demar dies and Casey Biggs said, "Okay, we shot this. Can we do another take where I, I give him some last words? I want to improvise a little." And they're like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." And he just says, "Keep." That's his last word. That's keep. all he says. Keep. And he's been asked at conventions, "Well, what what was the rest of the line?" He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> I felt like I felt like it should be an incomplete sentence, but I never thought of what the rest of the sentence was. Keep the refrigerator running yeah Blah. we we assume it's keep fighting but he since since he specifically said i don't know what it was it could be anything so keep me in your hearts keep me warm and i won't die oh god damn it <laughs> keep me alive yeah <laughs> all i need is some blood garrick i know you're my blood type keep pumping some blood in my veins <laughs> Okay, so I think that about covers Cardassia. So let's see, yeah. what else do we got? Um, we got, uh, let's see, we got most of the main cast up on the uh, Defiant. Right, which on I, I get it's the last episode. You want to have everybody there on the bridge. But Ezri does not mm. make any sense on the bridge. Odo definitely doesn't make any sense on the bridge. Bashir's got a sick bay he should be attending to. Yeah, he does get down there eventually when people start dying. Yeah, he does. But he's up there. Somebody's dead. Oh, shit. I should be in sick bay. Excuse me. He's up there at a console doing stuff. Yeah. And really, if he's got stuff to do, he should be doing it in sick bay. Yeah. But I mean, I get they wanted a shot of as many characters as they could. Actually, speaking of that, uh-huh. uh, you mentioned before uh, when we were talking about the Vic thing, mm-hmm. um, li- lingering shots there. I did not realize, but Memory Alpha told me that uh, many of the extras there were recurring guys out of makeup. Oh, yeah. Did you not know that? I did not spot that. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, Martok was there. Uh, yep. Damar was there. Like, all the alien guys that wouldn't have logically been in this Starfleet uh, celebration were mm-hmm. still there because they're part of the cast. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice touch. No, they got back, um, like, and they got back people who'd played parts, like, throughout the series. Like, Chase Masterson's in that in there, and she wasn't even in this episode. That's cool. Yeah. She just came back for, I guess they had, like, an actual party or Yeah, something. I know they had an actual rap party. This may yeah. have been part of that. I'm not, that I'm not sure about. Yeah. But I know a lot of the guys milling about in Vix are guys like, you know, uh, uh, Wayun, who yeah. obviously wouldn't be there in the celebration, but you still, come on, Jeffrey Combs has been here for, you know, five years. He should be yeah, part of this party. Yeah. You can also see, uh, I believe, Ron Moore and uh, Iris Stephen Bearer in there. I'm not sure about that, but I do know they had originally planned to have all the writers sitting at Quark's bar. Hmm. And then they said, okay, that looks really wink-wink cheesy, so let's take it out. Yeah. Like, that was a little too elbowing you in the ribs. Uh, 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 uh. Let, let's just do something else. I don't know. I like the idea of them looking kind of sad and drunk in the back. <laughs> oh, God, what are we going to do now? Well, I mean, you know, fucking writers. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, speaking of... <laughs> Sarah Glofton barely appears in this episode. Yeah. I actually, this is, this is ties in with my bad thing. Okay, let's, let's dive um, into that. 
So we have that last, the, there's that last scene with Ben and Cassidy where she goes to, she, he takes her into the Celestial Temple. Okay, I, real quick, let's back up real quick. Because, yeah, Ben ends up in there and we'll talk more about this in a second. Yeah. But the whole thing, Avery Brooks said, you know what, I'm not real keen on this as a guy who's who's pretty into like civil rights and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not super cool with our black hero just abandoning his wife and like another black man abandoning, like that's the cliche. Yeah. We don't want everyone to think that black men don't stick around to raise their families because that's yeah. that's bullshit and we shouldn't keep that image going. And that's a good point, man. Mm-hmm. And like so they're like, OK, you know what? We're going to leave it nebulous. We're going to say maybe you're going to come back. And so they put in this scene that you're talking about. Mm. Yeah. So he basically sort of brings Cassidy into the Celestial Temple. This is the same thing that happens. Or gives her. Yeah. Gives her a profit vision anyway. Yeah. And he says goodbye and everything, and I'm just sitting there and thinking, like, uh, I really would have liked to have seen a scene, like, seen a scene with Ben and Jake. I agree, but I think if he only gets one phone call, I guess, in profit yeah. jail. I don't know, man. Like Ben and Jake's relationship has like been it's a cornerstone of, of this show. Like we started with that. Yeah, There's that shot one of the, in the one of the pillars the, of this show is is that relationship. Yeah, Ben is father. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's one of the very first scenes after that opening Borg thing is them mm. at the old fishing hole. Like that's yeah. a, that's a thing. It would have been nice to see to have a Ben and Jake farewell scene. It basically. absolutely would have. We need we needed some closure in that relationship. But yeah, you know. And actually, I will say they did do a nice job of addressing that they didn't get to do that mm. by the very last shot of the episode being Jake uh, with Kira standing next to him, looking out the window of, of DS nine, presumably toward the, uh, toward the wormhole. The, the yes. angle doesn't really show that, but I assume that's what he's doing. Um, just waiting for his dad to come back. And there's this long pullout where he's just sadly like, Oh, dad's gone. And yeah, at least they address that. I really hope he doesn't waste his life waiting for his dad to come back. Like, <laughs> you know, how that goes. It shows that will happen. Yeah. No, Cassidy's going to do that now. Mm-hmm. As, as a few <laughs> of us. What did, what did Amanda call her when we were watching the episode? The lighthouse wife? Oh, yeah. One of those lighthouse wives, which I'm sure is probably like a, a thing from uh, literature. Or, or... Oh, sure. A thing that really exists, like the love struck nun. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair point. <laughs> she's very well read that's probably from mythology or something but you're right she, she sometimes <laughs> just making stuff up just make stuff up <laughs> but no it is it is still a really nice like you know um acknowledgement mm-hmm. jake looking out the window like saying yeah this is an important relationship and it is unresolved what the hell dad yeah. sorry sorry i only got one phone call uh, the thing is okay in the celestial Tower, we know time means nothing to them yeah. Time is just a concept that they do not understand. They don't understand the whole linear thing. So he could be there for 10 lifetimes from his perspective and come back before that baby's born. Yep. And everything will be fine. So or or never. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't know. But, yeah. But the thing is, he's bringing his concept of linear time to them. Yeah. So hopefully. So hopefully they can take that into account. Mm-hmm. Can I just come back sort of five minutes after I left kind of thing, but I'll be here as long as you need me? What are five minutes? Oh. Uh, okay, here. Let me show you what you this fucking, baseball okay. metaphor. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so you're on home plate, right? <laughs> okay, we're going to sit here and not say anything until I say to stop. All right, and after 60 seconds have passed, we'll do stuff again. That's a minute. Now we'll work from there. <laughs> no, he's got to explain it to him in baseball, Matt. What's a second? Son of a bitch. All right, well, okay. All right, that's a second. One Mississippi. What is a Mississippi? Oh, God. Mm. 
I might be in here longer than I thought. Okay, first I need to explain racism to you. All right. <laughs> then I'll explain Mississippi. <laughs> then baseball. That's the natural progression. <laughs> yeah, because then he can explain the Negro Leagues in baseball. Yep. Like, then you got both concepts, then you can do that. Racism, Mississippi, baseball, counting. Yep. Oh, God, they got him to teach oh, I, them yeah. how to count. Not He's count. never coming back. Yeah, that's probably true. Oh, no. They should have sent a mathematician. <laughs> or a math magician. <sighs> a math illusionist, Matt. <laughs> we demand to be taken seriously. <laughs> my bad thing. Yes. The phrase... It's ironic, isn't it? Has never been my favorite, but it's spoken three different times in this episode. Yeah, we get it. It's very ironic. It's I... more ironic than an Alanis Morissette song. Uh, well... Let's move on. Someone pointed out to me that that song not being ironic is itself ironic. Oh, man, don't give Alanis Morissette credit for things. Look, not everyone has your hatred of Alanis Morissette because not everyone is in Canada and forced to listen to her daily. It's true. I haven't heard her since I moved. It's kind of nice. Yeah, some of us only heard her occasionally and never got sick of her. Mm. I think she's fine. But my point is, I, okay, I don't like when characters point out irony in general anyway, because half the time they're wrong. Yeah. But specifically those words, it's ironic, isn't it? Like, they say those that exact phrase three different times. Ducat yep. says it, I think... Uh, Garrick says it and I think Garrick definitely says it. it it's like his favorite fucking phrase like yeah. he said that like a hundred times before yeah but uh, ironic isn't it doctor but there's so much like I don't like when characters do that because this show does irony so well mm -hmm. I mean fucking Kira's out there leading Cardassian rebels against their oppressors yeah that is the best irony ever yeah so and don't point it out you don't have to tell us we're smart enough to figure that out by seeing her running with a group of Cardassians on her side and charging the hill. Mm -hmm. That's we get that. That's irony. We we understand. But yeah, I don't like it. Like, I just uh, don't like it. Also didn't like the montages, but we talked about that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, you are not like I, I respect that. Opinion. Here's here's the thing. If they had done like like, say, that Seinfeld episode where it was a retrospective and not actually a story, mm. just a full half hour of maybe Hi, I'm Avery Brooks. Let's look back at the last seven years of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Like, it's been a fun, it's been a fun trip, hasn't it? Yeah, and and then with a bunch of flashbacks and stuff, that would be okay. It just in the middle of this story, and then they play "Time of Your Life" at the end. Yeah, 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 exactly. That song would have been out by now. Actually, Seinfeld would have been over, so it's definitely around. yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's see what do we got here. We got a lot um, of stuff still. I feel well. I mean, you're you're real. I mean, let's go into your bad thing, really. I, I honestly, I had two bad things. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think enough time was spent on the Wynn and Ducat plot, you know? Like, I get there's a whole big thing going on, but, like, these are the two big non-changeling villains, and they kind of get ignored until well, the very last part of the episode. Let's really talk about this as part of the whole nine-episode arc. It it came in really strong. Mm -hmm. They realized we don't have a middle part for this, so they just sent Ducat away. Yep. And then he just comes back and they resume their thing, except then they're also on hold until the end of the episode. Yep. It just, it feels so tacked on. And the thing is, I usually hate magic in my Star Trek. I like that. I've said this many times. I like it on this show. They managed mm -hmm. to make it work the only time that I can think of. But just, it's not, it's not the concept of it. It's the pacing. Yeah. It's. Like, these two characters are super important. The whole concept of the Emissary and the Celestial Temple and, and the the, uh, the Prophets and I guess the Pa Wraiths, yeah. which I still don't love, but 
all that's a big part of the show and it definitely needs to be resolved but it all just kind of feels like oh and also uh, this happened uh, yeah the, yeah and it's it's such a coincidence that it happens right as the war ends it re- it does like everything about it, it seems very coincidental like i hate that I Cisco's like, just, like, hanging out at Vix and suddenly he's like, I have to go, my home planet needs me. <laughs> hanging out at Vix, celebrating the end of the first big story. Yes. And then the second big story starts. Like, Yeah, sh- shit, I gotta go. Yeah, and not only does it start, it starts and stops. Yeah. Because all he does is go down to the cave, fight Dukat for 30 seconds, and then jump in the fire. Yeah. There's no, like, there's no really big confrontation apart from that one scene. There's no, mm-hmm. like, like... This is it. This is this is Dukat versus Cisco, the final battle. It should be more than that. Yeah. It should be more than Neil before Zod. No, I'm going to push you in some fire. The end. Also, Kira should have been there. Uh, I think Kira should have been there for the deaths of Dukat and Wynn. Maybe. I think like that. That's, you make that's, a good point, but I think it works either way. I <sighs> That would have been good, but I don't think it ruined it her, with her not being there. Because as much as, um, like, as much as Cisco and Dukat fucking hate each other, fucking Kira fucking hates Dukat. Yeah, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that Cisco's arc has always been the most, like, uh, what am I thinking? Mythical. The, mm. the, like, the, the, the hero's journey. Oh, definitely. Like, more than any Star Trek character ever. And it mm-hmm. doesn't really belong in Star Trek usually, but they made it work here again. Well, that's always been DS9's thing, this, their ability to bring uh, mysticism into... Uh, yeah, religion and mythology and all that stuff. Yeah. But Shisko has always struck me as the classic sort of Joseph Campbell, like, hero's journey guy. And yeah. part of that is, at the end, you got to be by yourself. He, You have to face your thing alone. You can't, like, you got your support system to get you this far, but then you have to do the last thing by yourself. That's... I guess that... In- you know, and then there's just the fact that the last thing is not very big. No, it's not very big. It should have been way bigger. That should have felt like the third act, and it felt like an epilogue. Yeah. And they honestly, they might have benefited more from, and like, taking, <laughs> making it a three-part se- uh, series finale. No, um, if they'd ended the war an episode early and just devoted the last episode to the, the uh, emissary stuff. That would have been good. I What I think, and I don't know how you would do this. I mm. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. But um, if they tied the war in to that somehow, mm. if Dukat, to get to the fire caves, had to do something that sort of overlapped with the war, get some supplies <laughs> diverted from the front lines or something, you know, like <laughs> something so that they're connected in some way. Dukat and Wynn form an alliance with the female changeling. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, my good to unleash thing. the to unleash the power of the paw race to finally wipe out the alpha quadrant. I mean, that might have been too over the top, but that would have been of, over the top enough that I would have loved it. Part of me would love that. Part of me Meanwhile, would have loved all the evil. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Legion at Legion of Doom headquarters, the Great Link just relocates to the fire caves. Yeah, exactly. And the paw race and uh, like like Link with the changelings. <laughs> I just pictured, like, this fucking giant table, and it's got Wynn yeah. and the female changeling and Dukat and Lex Luthor all sitting at it. Oh, no, I was thinking Black Manta would be there. Of course. <laughs> or or a Gorn. Same difference. <laughs> well, you've got Black Manta or you've got a Breen. That's what I mean, a Breen, not a Gorn. Why did I say the same. I don't know, man. Uh, a Breen. Fucking Gorn out of nowhere. Yeah. You know what? Put a Gorn there anyway. I love those guys. Yeah, what the hell? He can be at the side going... <laughs> <laughs> and a good solid club. <laughs> 
Uh, but really, my good thing. Speaking of the uh, of the of the changelings and all, mm. uh, the Dominion completely turning on Cardassia was the best. Oh man, that was great. Because I mean, really, for one thing, we've seen fifteen years of subsequent you know stories and and like better told serial stories and all that and it's hard for the show to surprise you mm-hmm. based on the fact that it's kind of old and and all its tricks have been done better since then yeah but i like i mean i remembered it from a long time ago but it's still kind of t- whoa they're just straight up murdering all of cardassia because they've had enough yeah i love that line <laughs> take kill the cardassians which ones all of them yep that will take some time. Like then you, you'd better get started. Like I love it. You stand behind either Ducat or Win, probably Ducat, as the greatest villain. Mm-hmm. I say the Changelings. I say the Dominion. Yeah, no, they're pretty good. Like in in personal terms, in terms of people who have a personal axe to grind against one of our main guys, Ducat yeah. is definitely the guy. Yeah, no, that's why he's always my vote. Like the character. Yeah, but he fails so much. Yeah. The fact that the Dominion successfully wiped out a city of two million people and were just about to start destroying the whole fucking planet well, that we they, were on, they, they can, were on. That is that was just the first city that yeah. they wiped out. No, that was an example thing. I think that I think Garrick at one point says eight million Cardassians are dead. Yeah, uh, uh, I think Bashir was looking okay, at the, two uh, Garrick then. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, no, no, no. What happened was uh, this was also like what I like. This is also good plotting. Mm hmm. Because and it also feels a bit like uh, some stuff that happened in World War Two, where your allies just go a little too far and suddenly they're not your allies anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a you know, it reminds me of a few different things. It reminds me of like the Germans going back and and attacking the Russians for one thing. But um, some other things that are like that as well. But I just I love they were destroying. They destroyed that city to show them like to to prove a point, to to teach a lesson. And that was the moment where the Cardassians said, you know what, we're not going to learn a lesson. We're not going to take this anymore. The whole fleet turned on them mm-hmm. and the people turned on them in the streets. None of the Cardassian troops would take Demar prisoner. They're just like, no, that's enough. We've had yeah. it. That That is the rallying point now that we're all on the same side and it's against you. Yeah. And I just I also I love that as once again, the female changeling just not understanding. No, it's never been about look. it's never been about keeping any of their subjects happy. Yeah. It's all just to to, to insulate them. And but it's, if the Cardassians are just going to be trouble, then get rid of them. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we promised them the Alpha Quadrant and we promised to take care of them, but eh, they bugged yeah, me. Yeah, we, pro- we promised a lot of people a lot of things. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure they're my favorite Star Trek villains of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair. Because for one thing, I mean, yeah, they gave us a face in Female Changeling, but really she represents all of them. Oh, yeah. Much like, you know, Locutus represented all Borg. Like, I mean, like, we never mentioned this before. Like, the second time the female changeling shows up, we just take it as read that it's the same one we met before. There's no reason it has to be. That's true. She yeah. never even gets a name. No. Like, in the in the, in the the last credits where they show literally everyone's name. Mm-hmm. In alphabetical order. Yeah. Here we go. Get, get, settle in. <laughs> now, they, they call her female changeling. They finally give her a name, and it's still not even a name. Yeah. It's like female Romulan commander from uh, the original series. Yeah. No, there, there was that episode a couple of seasons back where it's like, what, what should I call you? And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. Names are stupid. We're all just one big liquid yeah. thing. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just us and Odo. Yep. Poor, poor Odo. Poor Odo. Hey, shut up. But I do like, like, I like their relationship. I always have. Yep. And it's, like, it could feel really contrived and cheesy that Odo, all he has to do is link and everything's done. 
Mm-hmm. But it it I like it. It feels right. It kind of worked. Like there's a lot that goes on in that that last link. And it basically between him and her. I mean, he offers them a cure, but I think also part of that is he's also coming home. Yeah, I feel like they would have given up the Alpha Quadrant to get Odo back. Yeah, because that's how weird and like sort of interconnected they all are. Yeah, I like that. They're very like that's always been a thing I've enjoyed about the the changeling race has been just like how they're not, you know, they don't do things like we like normal people would. Yeah, that's not. That's one of the reasons they're one of my favorite Star Trek races. Yeah. Is they're more alien. This is something I go on and on about all the time. The aliens don't feel alien enough. The mm-hmm. Klingons just feel like mean humans, and and Romulans just feel like duplicitous humans. But the the the, the founders, some of the stuff they do, their their motives are so strange. Yeah, that they're just they're alien, but they're still they're still relatable. It's not like so weird that you don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I that's the, I want more of like that. Yeah, and I don't know that we're gonna get more of that, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I just I love them as villains. I love them as a race. I love them as a science fiction concept of liquid people who can sort of merge into each other. Yep. I everything about them. They're they're so great. I always go back to that drop becomes the ocean thing. I think that's such a cool concept. Yeah. And how many change? They never even said how many changes are in the Great Link. Yeah. Millions, maybe ten. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Exactly. It's so cool, and it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, they don't really think of it that way. So, I don't know. I just I put one giant changeling that just crawls off the planet to come to the Alpha Quadrant and beat everyone up. Yep, we're fucking done with this. Yep. Ooh, and then they have to change the Defiant into a giant mech armor. Well, or the fake Defiant. Still not really F- happening. Fucking Cisco and Dax drift compatible. <laughs> All of this is for Nate, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, the thing is, Cisco and Dax probably are drift compatible. Well, yes. And well, Kira's, Jedzia, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when you say Dax, I like Desri, but I will still always think of Jedzia. Yeah. That's Dax. I don't think of Curzon. I don't think of um, Emini <laughs> or Ivory. <laughs> Hannibal Dax. Yeah. No, not Hannibal Dax. He got way too close. <laughs> or or um, uh, John Glover, uh, Dax, who was Dax for one episode when he stole yep. Dax. <laughs> nope, the none. case of the missing Dax. Yeah. No. Um, so, okay, what else? Uh, what else? So, I, like, going back to the Cisco thing real quick, I definitely feel like that's a satisfying ending. Like, it's still a bit ambiguous, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's a satisfying ending. He's still, it's kind of like the ending of Angel. The fight, the fight goes on. Yeah. Because we both said, well, Dukat's still alive and with the the Paul Wraiths. Yeah, they, they, like, he asked, like, Cisco specifically asks, is Dukat dead? And, uh, what's her face? Uh, Sarah goes, uh. No, he he's with the he's where he belongs with the Paw Wraiths, and I'm yeah, like, he's, really? He's in exactly the situation that Cisco's in, only on their side. Yeah, it's like, is that a good thing? That doesn't sound like a good thing to me. I feel like their corporeal bodies burned up in the fire caves, but that their essences or their paws or whatever the fuck you want to call it, yeah, went. You know, like there's no more bodies. Yeah, so like somewhere, you know, the devil of Bajor is teaching Dukat to be a worse person. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's not over. That's the thing. Yeah. And like I say, it, it gives me that sense, like the Angel finale did, of the fight still goes, oh, we've cut away at a, at a moment where it's okay to end, but mm-hmm. there's still more fighting to come. Yeah. And I like that. There could be another, like, like in your basic mythology, God goes to his side, the devil goes to his side, but there's going to be another battle. Yeah. Until the devil's completely defeated, there's always going to be another battle. And mm-hmm. I feel like 
there's still another story there. I don't know if it's an interesting story. I haven't heard anything. No, but you know. I know that, like, the books went on to do, like, serialized, like, season eight and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know how good that is. Yeah, I I don't know. I, Although I might, if it if my book wasn't in a box, I might dig out my omnibus and give it a read. I, um... I basically count on you to be my canary in that coal mine. Like, yeah, you, it's it's been a long time since I read any Trek books. I mean, the Millennium trilogy, like that, that is the number one thing I recommend to anyone who, after this, wants a little more DS Nine. Yep, I remember those came out not long after the show ended, and I felt like that was a very satisfying, like, extra little bit. Yeah, I I haven't read them in years, but I remember them being quite good. And you read them recently, I think. No, I never finished. I, I think I only read the first one. Oh, did you not like them? Or you? Just no, I really enjoyed it. I just That was one of those things I never got around to. Fair enough. Yeah. I uh, I remember them being very satisfying as like, I want a little more DS9. Well, yeah. you're in luck because the Reeves Stevenses, the best Star Trek guys, wrote... Uh, Hands down. Three more. Yep. Oh, good. Um. So let's see what else. Uh, I feel like there was some big important stuff to talk about, but I think we might have gotten just about all of it. I, I think we've hit everything. I keep writing, stop saying ironic, isn't it? Yeah, you certainly do. Yeah. Towards the end of my notes here, I just stopped to go watch the last fight between uh, Ducat and uh, Ben. Yeah. Um, I do like, there's a scene where, and, and this is a Martok thing the whole time, like, we will drink blood wine over the bodies of our enemies. Yep. And then they get to the bodies of their enemies, and he pulls out the blood wine, and they're like, dude, this is morbid. No, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I want to do this after all. I'm sorry, I, uh, like... You know, I I am as big a fan as a, of a, a good drink as anyone, but I smell a lot of burning corpses. Yeah, maybe don't beam down to Hiroshima and toast the death. That's but, that's um, in bad taste. Yeah, but uh, come on over to Vic's later. We're having a party. Yeah. This is, uh, oh, you haven't met Vic Fontaine? Oh, you're going to love him. Oh. Yeah. Later. This guy is a jerk. <laughs> No, I liked it because, and also, we get another scene with Martok after that where it's clear he didn't hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like with Gowron, if they'd refused to drink with him, you have made an enemy of the Klingon Empire. A, t- a powerful enemy, Because my he's friend. the Chancellor now, so he could totally just, like, declare yep. war on the Federation for that slight. But Martok's got a little more perspective than that. Yep. He's just like, pussies. And he just has his drink. Yep. It's, I picture, it's just um, a moment, that's all. There's that that scene where he's where uh, Cisco pours out his blood wine and then Ross does it and then they both leave uh-huh. and I just picture Ross thinking oh thank God I hate this stuff yeah well we know he can't hold his Romulan ale he definitely cannot and I I picture he just can't like he, he can't keep up with anything other than like a light beer yeah also a lot of talk of God from Admiral yeah he Ross. says it like he says At thank least God twice. which is fine and then he says Godspeed yeah now Godspeed to me is a actually kind of a a, a neutral like not actually religious expression like a lot of mm. people say that but he also said thank god for something and like yeah i feel like that if if the future is the atheist paradise we've been led to believe mm-hmm. people wouldn't say that anymore yeah but uh, but uh, you know. i could i could totally i'm starting to get the, i started to get this image in my head now it's a shame that he, we won't see him again mm-hmm. admiral ross is like this kind of stick in the mud religious dude yeah which is fine we like kira yeah we liked dwarf well you seem to like him again ah uh, he came around on me Okay, do you think he would make a good ambassador, though? No. Like, who's less diplomatic than Worf? Yeah, exactly. I think that that would, I like, I like the idea of him getting that job just so he can sort of retire and hang out with Martok, which yeah. I think is what he really wants. Well, and Martok's logic was, you know what? I didn't want this job and you pushed me into it, so this is your comeuppance, pal. You're coming yeah. with me. 
And I really think that having him, you know, come out, like, go back to Starfleet to just, just to be in one more movie is a huge disservice and a big step back for the character. I agree. But on the other hand, Nemesis was rife with his own problems that we've already discussed at length. Mm -hmm. See episode whatever. Whatever. Put knives on his knives. (sighs) It can't hurt us anymore, Matt. Nope. Uh, but I think that's about it. That's everything I wanted to. Do we touch as our good things and the bad things? I yeah. Oh, your your good thing you talked about in your uh, in your summary, but uh, let, let's give you one more opportunity to mention it. Matt, what was your good thing? Kaiwen burns to death. Yeah. Hooray! I I liked Kaiwen. I liked her all along, and yep. you know. I don't know. I, I feel like this was a satisfying conclusion to her arc as well. Definitely. She really should not have gone to the to the dark side and she kind of deserved to die. Yeah, pretty much. But I like her um her uh I'll save you emissary. Uh-huh. And she goes to chuck the book into the fire and Dukat's just holding it. Nope. It's it's a nice comedy moment where she's holding it dramatically and then looks up and there's nothing there. Yeah, it's oh, gone. Shit. It's like yeah. I don't know if you. I don't know if they have the phrase "too little, too late" on Bajor, but uh, they do now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. So let's go yeah. to our quotes. Mine. There is an awesome. I mean, look. I've been saying this for like weeks and weeks now, but the the Kira Garrick Demar show is absolutely my favorite part of all of this, and they have one great last scene before Demar charges into his death. Yep. Outside the gates where they can't get in, and there's this. <laughs> I fail to see what is so funny, Garrick. <laughs> Isn't it obvious? Here we are, ready to storm the castle, willing to sacrifice our lives in the noble effort to slay the Dominion Beast in its lair. <laughs> we can't even get inside the gates. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we could go up to the door and ask the Jawadar to let us in. Just have them send the shapeshifter out to us. <laughs> and it's just a nice conclusion to their growing friendship? Huh? Question mark? <laughs> Camaraderie, I suppose. I'll take it. They're They've solidified as a team. They can have a laugh and they're not all... Are you going to stab me in the back? I don't know. Are you going to stab me in the back? I don't know. Like Ah, friends. They all, each of them have reasons to mistrust all the others. Yep. And yet, they're sharing a laugh as they're, like, performing one common thing. And I, don't, I just, yeah. I loved it. I hope Kira gets a statue. That would on, be nice. Uh, rebuilt Cardassia. Although, I think it was Amanda who pointed out that every Cardassian is going to go try to hump it if that happens. Cause That's true. They got a thing for her. I will say, they never had Damar do that, and I like that. They never once <laughs> even hinted that he was attracted to her. They're going to have to put up a velvet rope around it. <laughs> no one can get past a velvet rope. Or like a like um an oil slick of Cardassian hawk oil. <laughs> slash canar. Well, then, then you've got Demar's reanimated corpse just trying to lick it up. No, if it's not fermented, it's just oil. Ah, that's fair. You got to let it's fermented in the bottle. The canar. And you got a quote? I do. What is it? Uh, I wanted, I had my pick of a uh, character saying goodbye to each other. And uh, in the end, I really wanted, you know, my two favorite guys. Aha! Uh-huh. I knew it. 
When I saw the two of you slip out, I said to myself, that no good, misanthropic, cantankerous changeling is trying to sneak off the station without anyone noticing. That was the idea. Well, it's not going to happen, is it? Apparently not. So, now that I'm here, is there something you want to say to me? Such as? Such as? Goodbye. You certainly were a worthy adversary. Or maybe something with the words mutual respect in it. No. No? What do you mean, no? I mean, no. I have nothing I want to say to you. You're telling me that after all these years, after all we've been through, you're not even going to say goodbye to me? That's right. Norice, I'll be on the runabout. Huh. Don't take it hardcore. Hard? <laughs> what are you talking about? That man loves me. Didn't you see? It was written all over his back. Yeah, that was good. And given that the both of them were very not much in this scene, particularly mm-hmm. Clark, it was nice that they at least acknowledged. Yeah, they, this is another cornerstone. Like, like Jake and Zisco or Jake and Ben are like a, a big part of it. So are these yeah. guys. I actually, I didn't want to use this as my bad thing because it's been my bad thing for a couple episodes. But seriously, Quark, Quark? nothing to do in this episode. Yeah, there's literally there's a scene and apparently this is the last scene they filmed of the entire series of him and Vic playing fish in Vic's casino because apparently even Quark won't go to Quark's bar anymore. Nope. Um, Where they're just talking about how everyone else is off doing war and stuff and Quark's just like, yeah, I don't have anything to do. Yep. I'm like, yeah, that pretty much sums up this last season. And that's probably the writer saying, well, we don't know, like, he hasn't been available, so we couldn't really, like, weave him into the plot. So what mm. do we do now? Like, if this weren't the last episode that, and, you know, I, I wanted to do something more powerful for my quote, I would have yeah. gone with, I got nothing to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, okay, so final thoughts? I mean, we'll talk, we'll probably go over sort of our last impressions of DS9 next week in the supplemental, yeah. but, uh, I mean, that's pretty much, like, you know, I wanted to save any sort of final thoughts for that, but, yeah. you know, DS9, yeah, it, I, we said this going in, and we say this going out, this is, you know, this is my favorite Star Trek. Yeah, and it is the best one. I will say, I think looking back, though, finales, mm-hmm. I think I like all good things a little bit more than this one. That's fair. I think All Good Things holds up more as one story. Well, and I think All Good Things holds up more as, um, like, a sort of finale to Picard's arc, which, as we talked about, was TNG's sort of whole deal. Yeah, but I don't know. This is a finale to Cisco's arc pretty effective. It was, but it was also a lot of other things. True. Like, no, All Good DS, Things... D- d- uh, Next Gen definitely just said, yeah, we, nobody cares what happens to Riker or Jordy. Yeah. We're going to focus on the one guy everyone's been paying attention yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that was the whole thing with the last episode of TNG was we're, you know, we're not done. We're, we'll go on and have other adventures. Right. Um, the last episode of DS9 is, well, we're <laughs> the odds of us getting a movie are slim to none. So goodbye, everybody. Yeah. No, I always thought the best chance they ever had was a, a made for TV movie at best. Mm-hmm. And they that was never even floated as an option. So, yeah, you know, too bad. But that's what happens when you're the middle child. Mm hmm. I will say I do love all of the listeners, and I've heard this a lot, the listeners who were like, yeah, I just never watched that one, but you guys are so enthusiastic about it, I gave it a shot, and it's great. Yeah, no, that, I think of all the we've done on uh, 
uh, for DS9. I think that's the thing that I'm most most proud of. Absolutely. Was introducing new people to, to this show that, you know, kind of the, the black sheep of the Trek family. And a lot of people say, this isn't really my thing or whatever, like... But I, I, I don't know anyone, and, and listeners, if, if I'm incorrect, please correct me, but everyone who's given it a chance ends up really liking it. Mm-hmm. All the people who say, I don't think it's for me, are the people who never really watched it, who just made some assumptions. Yeah. But the people who actually gave it a look said, okay, you know what? This is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll talk about sort of final thoughts on all that next week. Uh, supplemental yeah. is next week. If you want to write to us, it is postatomicor at gmail. Please do. Yes, please. We love you've to still, hear from you. Still got, you've still got time to send us a couple, like an email. Yeah, a little time. We're we're going to be recording it a little ahead of schedule just because we got some prep to do for our live show. Yes, which is fast upon us, August twenty second at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. Uh, we now have a Facebook event. If Facebook is your thing, uh, the thing is the venue for them. Facebook is a thing. The more mm. people we we show through that little Facebook event that are going to the event, the more it'll look like a thing. Mm. So. Yeah. I know it's it's one of those like I for some reason the local comedy guys really love Facebook as an organizational tool. It's not my favorite, but I mean I'm barely on there anymore. But I I'm on there a lot because it's an effective promotional tool, but I don't love it. Yeah, but it's it's there. Also, we do have a Facebook page. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, Facebook.com/slash Algar Productions, and that's for this show, Sarcastic Voyage, all the stuff that that we do. Yep. Um, but yeah, the live show is August twenty second. We would love to see you there. The screening of the Voyager pilot uh, caretaker starts at three and the recording starts at about four thirty. Mm-hmm. Love to see you there. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. So we'll be back with the supplemental next week. All right. See you, Deep Space Nine. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. Mm-hmm.